Well, good morning. God is good? And all the time? Amen. It is a joy to be here this morning. We got a few announcements for you, two announcements. As the kids come, it was really cool. I walked down this hallway and they were like high-fiving and I was like ready to, to run out onto the football field. Uh, so I'm excited today, but I'm excited they're going to be singing today. Um, but I do have two announcements for you. One is that if you are interested in going to the Senior Adult Luncheon this Thursday, please sign up in the back. Um, they are going to the Connie Hudson Senior uh, Center on Hillcrest Road. You can sign up. It's this February at 11 a.m. But then we have, uh, in two weeks, we have our missions conference. And I would love for you to come and be a part on the missions conference in two weeks. You can get a card in the back that gives you all the dates that you can put up uh, on your calendar so that you can be here. I want you to know that on Saturday, the first night of the conference, we're going to have a dinner at 5.30 p.m. with Al Jackson. He's going to be our guest speaker. But because we're in the fellowship hall, we can only fit so many people. So if you would, please get a ticket today. The ticket is $8 because that covers your dinner. Um, and Al Jackson will be speaking during this dinner. We'll also have our partners from South Asia here. We'll also have our partners from uh, Zambia here in the room with us. And you'll get to hear from each of them. It's going to be a wonderful time. But you can purchase these tickets as you leave today. We only have uh, a certain amount because of how much room we have in the fellowship hall. So please get your ticket today and be a part with us on that Saturday on February 25th. February 26th on the Sunday morning, we'll have a corporate time of life group hour in here as we hear from our partners uh, overseas. And then Brother Al Jackson will be preaching that Sunday. And then Wednesday night, we will have all of our local spotlights are sharing about local ministries that we're partnered with. Throughout the week, we'll have interest uh, meet and greets with our different partners from Alaska, from New Orleans, all the way overseas to Zambia, and even to South Asia. So you're going to have a whole week of opportunity to get to know our partnerships, to hear from their heart, and maybe the Lord is leading you to sign up and to be a part of one of our next international or even national mission trips. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin, and we're going to turn it over to our children. Father, we praise your holy name. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Now, Father, today as we come into this place, we, we pray that our hearts would be turned to you, that we'd be focused on who you are. Lord, as, as my heart for this message today is that we'd be overwhelmed by your presence, by who you are. Now, Father, thank you for letting us start this time with uh, these children, Lord, singing an, an, about you. Oh, Father, I pray that each of them would grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we want you to be glorified in all things. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have... Know my father also, from now you have known him and have seen him. John fourteen seven. I am the way and the truth.
Amen. Didn't they do a great job? Go ahead and clap for them again. Got to work with them uh, a little bit. And uh, I'll tell you, when a, when a child comes to Christ, that's a powerful thing. They don't inherit a Holy Spirit junior. They have the full Holy Spirit, and they can worship in spirit and in truth just like we want to today. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you're here, and we would love for you to fill out the card that's in the seat back pocket right in front of you. Turn that into one of our offering boxes in the back of the room. Uh, it's a great day, a day to be in the Lord's house. Let's stand together and talk about His greatness. Why don't you say welcome to somebody around you today? Oh, Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Sing it out!
Colossians 1, 15 through 17, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He can be faithful because he has authority over all things. And he submitted to the Father and he saved us on a cruel cross. At that point, we owe him not just a little bit, but everything that we have. And we are in awe of his sacrifice. Amen. Let's sing together. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I
He has authority over all things. We sang that He gave us salvation by sacrifice on the cross. He's ready and willing and waiting to save you. Will you, will, will you lay it all down today? The things that you're carrying, the things that you're burdened about, the things that you're worried about today, will you lay it at the altar? As this song says, let's sing together. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to
regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is Praise our Savior today. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Amen. Bow down before Him. For He is Lord. The precious blood of Jesus Christ will come to the altar. cross as you wait for the crown tell the world of the treasure you found let's pray together dear only father you are a treasure you are our prize you are the one that holds it all together lord i pray that we would not even take a chance on our own strength we know that it will fail Lord, we 
pray that we would know of you more intimately, grow in you together as the body of Christ, abide in you, and go in you to all the world, telling everyone of our beautiful and wonderful Savior who works in and through us for your good purposes. We pray that you would lead us through the valley, that you would lead us to the top of the mountain, Lord. And that above all, that we would keep you squarely on the throne of our life today. We love you and we praise you. We give all glory, honor, and praise to Jesus Christ. Amen. I worship you. 
you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working times Aaron and I get together about the message. Today we did not, and that song was exactly what needed to be sung this morning. We are in the famous passage about worry in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do open to Matthew chapter 6, there's two passages in the scripture that are Uh, kind of the main focus on worry that people go to. It's Matthew chapter 6, talking about the birds of the air. And then it's also in Philippians chapter 4. And we'll actually look at both of those today. Church, have you ever had a panic attack in your life? Have you ever been so overwhelmed with emotion or fear about a situation that you were literally paralyzed? 
Can I tell you that I have been paralyzed with fear many times in my life? One of those that I don't mind sharing in this moment is tight spaces, like elevators. But I want you to know that I'm slowly taking the steps to get over them. Some of y'all got that. Church, there's been many times in our lives where worry and fear has stolen our joy. It's left us exhausted, and we felt beat down, and as I mentioned, paralyzed. You know, the disciples experienced this many times throughout the Scripture. In Matthew 8, there's a story of the disciples on a boat. Jesus is asleep in the front, and a storm comes up, and they are paralyzed with fear and worry. They think in this moment that we're going to die, so we need to wake up Jesus. And Jesus gets up, and he tells the storm to be still, but previous to that, he says, hey, you have little faith. In this moment, I believe that what Jesus is saying to the disciples is that you had the great I am, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator God on the boat with you. And you were fearful and worried. Then he says to the storm, be still. Can you imagine? Storm, be still. And calm came immediately. As I think on that story of the disciples, and other times, like Peter, and he's walking on water, and all of a sudden he looks around, and there's waves and winds, and he starts to sink, but then Jesus reaches down and and grabs his arm, and he lifts him up, and he's with Jesus. Every time I see this worry and fear in the Scripture, there's a common thread. And in that thread is this. That the eyes of the disciples or whoever it is gets off of who they're with and onto their circumstances. So today as we look at this passage in Matthew chapter 6, I want us to look at this from a a new type of perspective. We're not changing anything of the word of God. I just want you to see in in this passage who our God is. Because when you're overwhelmed by God, your circumstances become real small. We just sang a song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, speaking about who God is, rejoicing. I don't know about you, but I had peace in my heart as we sang about who our God is. Because He truly is the great I Am. People will often say to me, David, I know that God's strong. I know that that He's all-powerful. I know all of this, but my circumstance or my situation is difficult. People will also say, David, I know that God is strong. I know He's all-powerful, but you don't understand what I'm going through. Can I just tell you today that if we say either of those things, the fact of, of the matter is not that I don't know what you're going through. It's that you don't know who your God is. So today as we look at this passage, may we be overwhelmed by who our God is. It says this in Matthew chapter 6, picking up in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will not... Will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, What will you eat or what will you drink? Or what will you, we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, we come before your throne and we thank you for your word. Father, I recognize that my words will return void, but yours will not. So, Father, I ask that that your voice, your word, your truth would go forth in this place and penetrate our heart. Holy Spirit, give us the understanding to place God's word into our heart and live it out. I believe that revival will take place when we live out the theology that you have given us through your word, Father. So, Father, I just pray right now that you would just open our eyes to see that you are here. You are here in this place. For it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. So when we look at this passage, there's about four attributes of God, five attributes of God that I want us to see. Now, there's a lot more in here, but there's five today. You're saying, David, five. We won't get out in time. Don't worry. This is a two-part message. The first thing I want us to see is that God is the creator of life. God is creator. And I put in there of life as well. So let's look at this for a moment. We see here in verse 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Church, we must recognize that the Scripture gives us from Genesis all the way to Revelation and speaks to us that God is Creator. He is creator. Life is way more important than simply food and clothing. Why? Because we have a creator who created us for a purpose. It says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 18. Brother Aaron just read that. I didn't share with him that I was going to be reading that today. It says, He is, Jesus is, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heaven, in the heavens, and on the earth. Can I just stop there? All things were created. Now, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were not created. They have always been and will always be. But in this passage, he's saying everything outside of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all things were created by Jesus, by God, by the Holy Spirit, by the triune God. It says visible 
invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Church, we must recognize when we are are dealing with this idea of worry that we need to get overwhelmed by who our God is, and He is the creator of all things. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning, God what? Created. Without God, there is no creation. Let me just say that again. Without God, there is no creation. He spoke in Genesis 1, and creation happened. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I get excited. Y'all have heard me say this before. I can't fathom the fact that when God spoke, he said, let there be light. Light came forth from his mouth, traveling at 186,000 miles per second. You say, David, how do you know? Well, that's the speed of light. When God spoke, earth happened. Creation took place. But because he is the creator of all things, he's the creator of this world. But let me just say, he's also the creator of life. We see in Genesis chapter 2 that God creates man or in the likeness of his image. It says this in, uh, excuse me, Genesis 1, 26-27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish, over the sea, over the birds of the sky and over the cattle of, and over all the earth. Over all the creeping things that creep on the earth, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Church, oftentimes we worry about our life and we forget that we have been created by God. Now in Genesis chapter 2, he goes even further in giving us this understanding of creation. He says in in Genesis 1, he says, hey, listen, uh, you're all created in the image of God, right? But in Genesis 2, it says that he formed us from the dust of the ground. I want you to see this in verse 7 of chapter 2. The Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Without God breathing the breath of life into someone, there is no life. God is the creator of all things, including life itself. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I get really interested in verse 7, chapter 2, verse 7. Because it's interesting to me that he formed us, our bodies, from the dust of the ground, right? And did you realize our bodies are temporal? I mean, some of you recognize that more than others, right? Brother Fred always said, I can't wait till I get to heaven, I get new knees, Our bodies are groaning, right, for that redemption, for that glorification, as it says in the Scripture. But what's interesting is that our bodies are formed from the dust of the ground, but our soul comes forth from the breath of God that breathes within us, which is why our soul is eternal. You say, well, David, I thought that we were created in the garden never to die, that Adam and Eve would live there in the garden. Yeah, as long as they ate of the tree of life, their body would live forever. God said, if they stay in here eating of the tree of life, then they'll live forever. So we must remove them from the garden so that they would not be able to continue to eat from the tree of life. Isn't it interesting? In the book of Revelation, guess what happens when we get to the new heaven and the new earth? The tree of life comes back. Now, I say all that to tell you that, yes, our body is temporal, but God breathes life into our nostrils. Our soul is eternal. And for some of you in this place, you need to hear that because you have not answered the call that God is saying to you, come to the Father, repent, because your soul is eternal. He is the only salvation 
in Christ and Christ alone. The kids sing about it. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we all know that. We all believe that God creates and that we are his creation and that he breathed life into us. Well, can I just tell you, not everybody believes that. Just last week, I was in Washington, D.C. I had the opportunity to go to some of the Smithsonian's. And in one of the Smithsonian's, there was this huge focus on this idea of evolution. There was this huge focus on how the earth came from, or, or how we came from this, like, I don't know, I didn't read it all, but like this, this like gas bubble or something that turned into something that evolved into something that evolved into something. Can I tell you that the reason that people want to believe something other than the creator, God, is because they don't want to answer to God. I was sitting there and I was, I went and like read some of it. I was taking some pictures just so I could talk to my kids and teach them the truth, right? And I was sitting there and I was listening to people talk as they were looking at this like, wow, millions of years ago, this is what it was like. And I wanted to be like, the earth's only 10,000 years old, but you know, okay. And my, my heart just broke for these people. And one of them, like there was this one section in, in this Smithsonian that had the size of the brain and how it grew over time. And I was listening to these three, possibly high schoolers, maybe college students. And one of them was giving the other one the understanding. And this person said, see, throughout time we've gotten so much smarter. I was like, smarter? We're believing that something incredible as the body could come from practically nothing without a creator? My kids asked me the other day just about uh, this whole idea of the Big Bang Theory. And I said, well, kids, it's like taking all the pieces of a watch, putting it onto a bottle rocket or a big old explosion, shooting it up into the air, it exploding, and the watch falling down perfectly onto your arm. Church, there's people all around that don't believe in a creator God. Can I tell you the truth today? The truth is this. Psalm 139 says, For you were formed, for you formed my inward parts. God formed me. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Church, it is a blessing, and I pray to God that you are overwhelmed with the fact that God is the creator God, and he created you. There's a second thing that I want us to look at in this passage, and that is God's sovereign. Now, we see here that there's more to life than just simply eating and drinking. We have a creator God who created us for a purpose But it also says in this passage, it says, And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to their life? Who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? The second thing we see here is that God is sovereign. God is in control when we breathe our last breath. Can I just say that again? God's in control of when we breathe our last breath. I just read to you Psalm 139, 13 through 15, but look at what verse 16 says. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your your book were written all 
the days, the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. God knew before I was even born what was going to take place in my life because He's sovereign. He's all-knowing. Now that doesn't mean that, that He made me do this or that. He knows what I'm going to choose. He knows the direction I was going to take. But let me tell you, God knows all the way to the very last day that I will breathe my breath on this earth. What did Job say? Job says in John, uh, Job 14 verse 5, He says, uh, Who can make, or excuse me, since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you, and his limit you have set so that he cannot pass. Church, the one who created you, the one who breathed life into you, is sovereign, and he's also over the day that you will breathe your last breath on this earth. The book of Job also tells us that nothing can happen without it first going before the throne of God. No one can take our life unless God allows that to happen. Church, we don't have to worry about when we're going to breathe our last breath. We don't have to worry about how we're going to breathe our last breath because it's all in God's hands. Do you truly believe that? Because I'm going to tell you there's times that I'm a little worried about how I'm going to breathe my last breath. But God has it all in his hands. He holds all things together. If he can hold the universe together, then he can hold my life. As a kid, I used to be afraid of somebody breaking into the house at night. I would stay up at night. And even if my parents were downstairs and I was upstairs by myself, I'd be like panicked. So I started praying this this scripture. Whenever I'm afraid, I will, as anybody know, trust in thee. Sounds like y'all prayed it too as a kid. What is this trust in thee? The trust is this, that God is sovereign. Nothing can happen to me without at first going before his throne. Church, we can rest easy at night knowing that nothing can happen to me without at first going before God. Our God is creator. We can't add a single day to our life. So there's no reason to worry over it. All worry does is paralyze us and keep us from doing that which our creator God called us to do today. Some of you today may be worried about death. How it may happen. But today we can be overwhelmed by our God. And his sovereignty even in the point of death. You know, I think it was Aaron Rodgers that said this, but uh, has it ever occurred to you that it's never occurred to God? Think about that for a moment. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? He's always known. He's known all things. We see in this passage that he is creator. We see in this passage that he is... um, Uh, sovereign and now we see what most people look at and they say hey he's provider god is provider we see in verse 26 look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not worth more than they and who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life and why are you worried about your clothing observe the lilies of the field They do not toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. Did not clothe himself like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, he will not much more clothe you. Church, we see here through two examples that God is not only our creator, not only sovereign, but he is also our provider. Can I just tell you, if God creates, which he does, and he breathes life into us, which he does, then why would we worry about him giving us the needs to sustain that life? If God has created and he's breathed life into us and we are his creation, why would any creator create something and not give it what it needs to sustain that life? We see here through these examples that the birds of the air, he provides for them, though they don't reap, so reap or gather. The lilies of the field... They don't toil or spin, but God clothes them. It shows us how God provides for his creation. I've, already, I've always told you there's no reason to worry until you see what? A skinny bird. See, I don't know about you, but I love good examples. I'm one of those people that I can, like, I can picture it, and if I can picture it, then I can remember it, right? Just recently I had the, the, the jar with the rocks and the sand and it was all about prioritizing and you know I've had a bow and arrow up here before and, and a target and all those different things. But isn't it interesting that we become so busy that we miss two incredible illustrations every day that God has given us. When you wake up in the morning and you hear the birds singing outside. When you're walking to your car and you hear the birds chirping or you see flowers that are growing, God has placed these as visual reminders all around you to say, why are you worried about life? I've provided all that you need for life and godliness. See, we often, we're so focused on the circumstances and the situations that we miss the beauty of of creation all around us that's proclaiming that there's a creator God, that he's sovereign, and proclaims that he is provider. See, we walk past that every day. And, And even this week, there's this day coming up on Tuesday known as Valentine's Day. I don't know who created it, but... Every year it costs me money to buy flowers, right? But think about this for a moment. People are going to literally have in their house, whether they're believers or not, all across America, several of them are going to have flowers in a vase. And for four to five days, because they do die, and for four to five days they are going to have in their face a reflection that God is provider. But how many people are so busy or don't know the word that they don't even recognize right in front of them God is giving them an illustration, an understanding that God is provider. Now, I want you to know, church, that God provides our every need. He does. It's scriptural. But let me go even further and show you that if God provides for the birds of the air and he clothes the lilies of the flower uh, of the lilies of the ground, how much more does he love us? How much more does he provide for us? Church, let me tell you how much more he provides for us. He provided us salvation through his son. John 3:16, the most quoted and memorized verse, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave. 
His only Son, His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Church, if God provides for us salvation through His own Son, then why do we worry about the little things in life? If we can trust God with our salvation for our eternal soul, then why can't we trust God with all the little things in life? The small things. He provided us salvation through His Son. We showed you John 3.16, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I just love this verse. I'm going to read it to you. It says, He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Church, He provided through the death on the cross His Son so that we could be set free from the punishment of sin. He placed our sin upon Him What we deserved upon Jesus, He has provided through the the death, burial, and praise God, the resurrection that we celebrate in just a few months. He's provided. And He laid all of that on His Son for you and for me. We can trust Him. I pray today you're getting overwhelmed that God is creator, that God is sovereign, that God is our provider. Oh, but it goes even further. Look at what it says in verse 26. It says, Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your, what? Heavenly Father. Your heavenly, it doesn't say their heavenly Father. It doesn't say the bird's heavenly Father. It says your heavenly Father. Can I tell you, this is the second time in the Sermon on the Mount that we see this idea of God being our heavenly Father. And spoiler alert, you're going to see it in chapter 7 too. God is our heavenly Father. Church, I don't know about you, but this makes my head even just, 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 I can't comprehend it. The creator of the universe, the one who breathed life into me, the one who is sovereign over all things, the one who is my provider, I can now call Father. My heavenly Father. Father, and Jesus is the one who told me that I could say that. Jesus said, when we pray, pray this way, our Father. Now he's saying again, our Father feeds the birds of the air, and if our Father feeds the the, birds of the air, how much will he take care of us? Now church, we all know from John 1, 12-13, that those who are truly born again are able to call him Father. It says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let me just say, that, say this real quickly. We must recognize the only people, and I've said this before, I'm just restating this so that you get this down into your mind and down into your heart. The only people that can truly call God Father is those who have been born again. Those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who have received the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Who have submitted to the Lordship of Christ. If you don't believe me, it says this in 1 John 3.10. 
By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. It's showing here that there are two fathers in this world. We have God the Father for those who are born again in Christ Jesus, and we have the devil for those who do not trust and do not believe. And let me just tell you, at one time in my life, the enemy, the devil, was my father. But praise God through the blood of the Lamb. I've been set free. I've been redeemed. And now I can call God my Father. The one that I can say, my Heavenly Father is the Creator. He's sovereign. He's provider. Church, I hope you're getting overwhelmed. And then look at this verse in Matthew 7, 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask? Man. That doesn't overwhelm you. Listen, I know how to give, I want to give good things to my kids, right? It's just ingrained in me. How much more will my heavenly father? Let me keep going quickly. It says this, one more uh, thing that I want you to see about God as you get overwhelmed. It says this, observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. God is compassionate. God cares for you. Let me just show you here. The lilies are temporal. The lilies are temporal. And he cares for them by clothing them. He cares for the birds by feeding them. Church, how much more does God care for us who has an eternal soul? Remember, God breathed life into us, and when he did, he gave us an eternal soul. How much more does he care for us? Let me tell you, I've already told you, but let me just restate it. Romans 5.8 tells us, but God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You want to know how much God cares for you? He cares for you one scarred hand to the other. He sent his son to die on the cross. That's how much he's compassionate. He cares for you. Even the psalmist was overwhelmed by this church. Psalm 8, it's only nine verses. The psalmist says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your finger, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? The psalmist is saying, when I look at your creation, when I see how big, how mighty, how awesome you are, I'm overwhelmed at the fact that you care for me. What is man that you're mindful of? David said it in Psalm 139. The thoughts that you have for me, the care that you have for me, the concern that you have for me, it overwhelms me. If I counted it up, I would still be counting when I woke up. It's more than the sand on the sea. Church, I pray today, you want to, to stop this, idea, this worrying, we need to get overwhelmed with who our God is. He's creator, he's sovereign, he's provider, he's our father, he's compassionate. I could go on and on, but let me end by saying, how do we deal with this practically? Well, first we must recognize that Jesus is speaking to believers. We go all the way back to chapter 5. He's speaking to those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn over their sin, those who have been humbled before 
God. The only way that you will truly find peace, the only way that you will truly find peace in the midst of worry is when you know, K-N-O-W, Jesus. Once you know Jesus, you will know peace. Because as you come to know Christ as Lord and Savior and you get overwhelmed every day by how great and mighty and His grace and His mercy and His love for you, I'm telling you the worries of this world fade away. But the second thing practically, the first thing is you must be born again. The second thing practically is that we're called to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Church, we must set our minds on Christ. We must hunger for Him and His Word. I'm going to close by looking at uh, Philippians 4, the other most uh, favorite verse on anxiety. But we often stop at verse 7, and I want to keep going. I want you to see this. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let me stop there for a second. We see two major things there. One is that instead of anxiety, instead of worry, we need to pray and we need to be thankful to God. But then it also says this in verse 8. In verse 8 it says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on on these things. So how do we practically keep our minds focused and being overwhelmed by God? We abide in Him. We dwell in Christ and in His Word. Look at this. It says, whatever is, uh, it says any of these things, it says to dwell on them, but at the beginning it says whatever is true. Whatever is true. That's the first thing it says, whatever is true. What does God's Word say? God's Word is what? truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the what? Truth. So when it says, whatever is true, dwell on these things. Church, you want to see worry go to the wayside? You need to start dwelling on the truth of God's holy word. You need to let this uh, overwhelm you with who our God is. I only shared five attributes this morning of who our God is. Let me tell you, there's a lot in the scripture. And every time I read it, I get overwhelmed. Are we dwelling on what is true? Are we dwelling on what is right? Are we dwelling on what is pure? Are we dwelling on what is honorable and lovely? Are we dwelling on God's word, meditating on it day and night? Or are we dwelling on our circumstances? Are we dwelling on how powerful our God is? Or are we dwelling on how weak we are? Church, you want to practically live this out? We must dwell and be overwhelmed daily by who our God is. Today I showed you and shared with you in the scripture that God is creator. God is sovereign. He's provider. He's our father. He's compassionate. But I could continue on. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's loving. He's protector. He's all powerful. He's savior. He's our deliverer. But can I say this? He's the one true God. He's the one true God. 
Church, when we look at this, and I think back to the disciples in Matthew 8, if they just would have got their eyes on who was with them. But their eyes were on their circumstances. Church, may we get our eyes on the truth of who our God is, who is with us today, and not on all the stuff around us. May we trust that he truly is creator, that he's sovereign, provider, our father, and compassionate.